Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to The Old Men and the Three ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. You know what gets me through the home stretch of the NBA season? A solid mystery thriller, which is why I highly recommend checking out Audible. Audible lets you enjoy all your audio entertainment in one app. You'll always find the best of what you love or something new to discover. I'm currently listening to The Wager by David Grant. It's a thrilling story of shipwreck, survival, and savagery, culminating in a court-martial that reveals a shocking truth. And good news, as an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog. And... New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash JJ or text JJ to 500-500. That's audible.com slash JJ or text JJ to 500-500. Welcome to The Old Men in the Three with JJ Reddick and Tommy Alter presented by Cash App and brought to you by 342 Productions. This is episode 46, Zion Williamson. Tommy, Zion, great kid, unbelievable guy. Uh, I think you're going to see his maturity and just how level-headed he is for, for someone as young as he is and to have the level of fame and attention that he's getting. He's just got a great head on his shoulders. Yeah, and we talk about this uh, in the interview, as you guys will see, but you know, we taped with Zion in January of last year when he had not yet played. Um, and even his growth, you know, in terms of his comfort level inside the league on and off the court has been incredibly noticeable for you. You see it every day, but I think, you know, the listeners will see it as well, hearing uh, the difference really in these two episodes. Yeah. I mean, look, we talk about this on, on, in the interview, but when we interviewed him last year in January and he had yet to play, he was finishing up, if not sort of right still in the middle of his rehab process. And that can be a frustrating thing. Uh, I, I say this to him. He's just he's just happier. He's enjoying playing. He seems free this season. Um, and, and he gets into to why that is. Uh, we also have a, a great discussion that you're not really a part of for about 10 minutes where him and I break down our two-man game, uh, his ability as a playmaker now. He's running about 15 pick and rolls a game as the primary ball handler. Uh, and we've seen his his assists skyrocket. Um, my overall takeaway from from my two seasons playing with him, and it's again, it's only been 56 games now or 57 games, whatever it's been. Uh, we're, we're just seeing, you know, the, the, the surface. We're scratching the surface of what his potential is as a player. I have a quick basketball question for you before we get to the conversation. So we're taping this Wednesday. We're taping this Tuesday night. The episode's coming out Wednesday. You guys beat the Jazz, the best team in the NBA, on Monday. Uh, you had two four-point plays. Can you explain the art of you and the four-point play? Because every year you're at the top of uh, the list when it comes to these things. And is this something that you um, can sort of suss out? Can you can you see the defender coming and, and you make an effort to do it or is it just kind of dumb luck? 
I, I think I'm comfortable shooting with someone guarding me in tight spaces. But the other thing is I, I just might naturally sort of jump forward when I shoot. And so as people contest my shot, they just come into my airspace and they really don't give me anywhere to land. Uh, I think last night was the first time where I had completed two four-point plays in an NBA game. I know that last year in Phoenix, I had back-to-back threes that I made where I got fouled. Unfortunately, I missed one of the free throws. But on back-to-back plays, I had and one threes. Um, so I, you know, I've done it. I've done it twice now. Um, again, I mean, I've had games where you you get fouled on threes two or three times, but they don't go in. Um, it's uh, you know, Jamal was great at it. You know, I think it's I think it's me, Jamal, Steph. James Harden, I think, are the top four. I don't know the order anymore because um, James has so many and Steph has so many. But um, Jamal was great at it too. When someone would just get in his airspace, he also jumped a little forward, especially on his three-point shot. When somebody would get in his airspace, he'd just rise and shoot. And he had such a long wingspan that it didn't matter how close the guy was, he could just get his shot off and then there was no distance or no no space for him to land and, and he would get that call. Um, so there is there is a little bit of an art to it, and then some of it is just the the form. Tommy, before we get to our conversation with Zion, uh, one programming note: we won't have a draft this week. I normally normally we've been drafting on our regularly scheduled episodes. Obviously, we haven't been drafting on the leadership series. We're not going to have a draft this week, uh, but we will have what I would like to refer to as sort of an insane draft next week that has already been recorded. Yes, uh, but. It's long. It's long, which is part of the reason why we didn't want to stick the two of them on top of each other. Yeah, it ended up being like 41 minutes, and we're going to stick it on a different episode, but it's a lot of fun. The guests are awesome. You guys will enjoy it, but we're just going to have Zion on this week, standalone. So let's get to our conversation with Zion Williamson. All right, let's welcome in our guest, uh, my teammate. I know I say all the time, Tommy, that we have special guests, but today we really do have a special guest. Uh, let's welcome in Zion Williamson. Z, what's up, bud? What's going on, y'all? Uh, we recorded a podcast with you on a previous iteration of our podcast about a year ago. You had yet to play an NBA game. You've now played 55 NBA games. And we're going to get into a little bit about you just sort of scratching the surface of of the player that you can be. But you're already pretty damn good. And... Uh, you just got named to your first All-Star game. I'm sure someone has told you this, but you're the fourth youngest player ever to play in an All-Star game. The other three were Kobe, LeBron, and Magic. What, is it, what does it mean to, to be an All-Star, first of all, and what does it mean to be in, in that sort of company? Um, well, that's the first part of it. To be an All-Star or to be named an All-Star is... It's a huge honor. You know, it sounds like cliche, but, uh, you know, it's like what a, a lot of us work for, you know, when we come to the league and for it to happen so fast, especially in my second year, uh, I mean, it's, it's just an honor. And then for my name to be uh, in that category as well, uh, it's just another honor. <laughs> sounds cliche, but that's all it is. Do you, do you set goals for yourself? Are you like when you came into the league, you were number one pick, obviously a ton of hype. Did you expect that you'd be an all star this quick? Did I expect it? Uh, you know, uh, man, 
I'd be lying to if you. I'd be lying to you if I said no. So it's like, man, it's an in between. Like my goals were, yeah, like I do want to work hard enough to at least be in the All Star game by like my second or third year. So for that, my second year is an honor. But uh, for me, my main goal was if I can help my team win, then I know I'll always be a part of like when it comes to winning, like accolades and stuff. It's like whatever awards there are, I have a chance as long as my team is winning. So that's always going to be like my top goal. How much are you paying attention to uh, individual records you're breaking on what seems like a nightly basis? And the one of the examples I'll bring up is the Dallas game uh, a couple of weeks ago. You were the only the 11th player in NBA history to score 36 points and higher than 90% shooting which I mean, you've done, you've now done this over and over again. So it's not a new thing, but like something like that happens and everybody's freaking out. Are you kind of just like, all right, I'm gonna keep it moving. Or are you, do you even know that that's happening around you? Dude, I'm glad you brought that up. So like, uh, you know, me and my friends from high school, we always joke about like how, you know, the NBA or people on Twitter come up with these like funny record breaking like stats. And I always laugh at it. So Whenever I'm on Twitter, like after the game or the next day, they're like, Zion Williamson's the first person to blank, blank, blank. I'm like, is that a thing? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's not like I just say, oh, it's dope and just kind of move on. I mean, I feel like you can find a stat for anything. Zion Williamson is the first 20 year old left hander to score 25 points, have three steals, and shoot better than 60% from the field since the NBA-ABA merger. It's just random shit like that. Not, I'm not taking away from the records. I'm not taking away from anything. You are actually, I think you're you're the third quickest, uh, or third most points scored in your first 50 games. I think the other two, in, in the last 40 years, and I think the other two were, were Shaq and Michael. Um I, I have actually have a question for you, and, and Zion, keep in mind this this is not coming out until uh, next week. But do you have any other plans for All Star Weekend? Are you going to be doing any dunk shots? I'm gonna say no, but unless something like crazy happens, and it's like, all right, I I got to do it. But as of now, like, no. What happens if LeBron is like a late entry to the dunk contest? And he throws one down, and then he calls you out. At that point, are you gonna are you gonna join the dunk contest? At that point, yeah, I I, I gotta go draw. I can't just get called out and just sit there and do nothing. I gotta go do something. Did you did have you talked to Bi since uh, since the All Stars were announced? Have I talked to Bi? Yeah, just about him not making it this year. Uh. No, nah, we haven't dove too deep in it. Uh, you know, he texts me, and, you know, the next day he congratulated on me. It's all love with him. But, you know, uh, I think we all know in B.I.'s, we know B.I., we know that he feels like he should have been in it. I, and honestly, I feel like he should have been in it. Uh, but B.I.'s just going to take that as motivation. Like, knowing B.I., B.I. is taking that as extra motivation, and he's just – get in the lab even more, he's going to come back even scarier. I, I saw he had a great quote uh, when they asked the media, asked him about it. Um, I'm, I'm going to just not quote him verbatim, but it went something along the lines of, I'm disappointed, but 
I recognize that if I'm not an all-star, then I've got to be, I've got to do something better. And, and it's probably winning. I mean, if you look at his numbers, he's having a similar, if not better season than he had last year when he was an all-star. I think the problem that hurt him and, and it truthfully hurt a lot of players is the pool of deserving candidates this year. I felt like was it was it was higher than anything I can imagine in recent memory. I agree with that. I definitely agree with that. Especially uh, an example I'll use is Sabonis. Like on the East, like I think he might be having a better season than last year, and he didn't make it. And you know, it's just there's nothing. Nobody's taking anything away from him. It's just like you said, like the pool is just so wide this year. Trey Young. Trey Young is another guy. He's yeah. having he's having a similar, if not better, year statistically than last year. They're actually winning more than last year, and and he didn't make it. You know, just to see him not make it is nobody's take. It's you know, amongst the players, like nobody's taken away from his game. We know that he's improved and his team is winning. But you know, it's, it's just tough to kind of be like, man, like. Go back to what you say. It's just a wide pool of players that had the opportunity to make it. Z, I, 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 you know this, but you know I'm, I'm, I, I'm. The light is at the end of my tunnel. You know, I'm, I'm on the later stages of my career, and for me, it's really exciting to be around you and Bi and Lonzo because I get to sort of see you guys in the early stages of your career. And that gives me a lot of excitement for the next 10, 12 years, hopefully, of, of seeing you guys grow here in New Orleans and, and hopefully becoming a, a, a championship contender year after year. What do you, what do you think about like Zoe's sp- potential specifically? Because to me, like he's better, I think he's better than people realize. And, and some of that, I think, has to do with the, the hype coming out of college. Um, obviously, you know, there were probably a, a few off-court distractions or whatever initially, but like he's just figured it out. He's gotten so much better as a shooter. He's so disruptive defensively. And to me, he's sort of the perfect fit for you and B.I. to play off of. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Um, but, you know, the thing with Lonzo, it's like you said, he's improved on shooting. His def- He's improved on his defense, like – He's even improved as, like, being a leader, being more vocal with, like, everybody on the team. But, you know, fans only see, like, one side of it. They see the social media side. Like, Lonzo will go on a spurt where he'll run on five incredible games of shooting. And, you know, he'll have a lot of assists and, you know, whatnot. But then he'll have one game, like, as if nobody can't have, like, a – off shooting night, he'll have one game where he might go like, what, two for 10 or two for eight. And he may not have a high number of assists. They're like, oh, Lonzo's not doing this. He's not being productive. And it's just like, dude, we're not there for the previous seven, 10 games. Like, those not exist. You know, people just take the one game and, you know, they just run with it. I saw this, uh, somebody did a study on negative social media comments. And I don't know where Zoe ranked in the study. I think 
Steph was number one. Twenty nine percent of comments after games were negative towards Steph. I think Russ was two. Twenty four percent of comments were negative towards Russ. But I feel like Zoe would probably be somewhere in the top ten. Unjust, of course, undo. But there, there's just certain guys that I feel like are just lightning rods on social media for whatever reason. And Zoe happens to be one of those guys. Uh, I want to talk a little bit just about your progression as a player. And so I'm going to, I know, I know you hate talking about the stats, but I'm going to reel off just a few things. So first of all, we're running you as the primary ball handler in pick and rolls a lot right now. December and January, those two months, basically you averaged about two and a half pick and rolls per game as the ball handler. You're up to about 15 in February. Your assist per month went from one assist a game to 2.8. This month, you're averaging 4.5 assists a game. Your scoring and efficiency have gone up every month as well. You're getting better nightly. And, and a lot of this has to do with you playing on the ball. And I, I, first of all, I wanted to ask, is, was that a conversation that you had with Stan where he said we're gonna we're gonna play you on the ball more, we're gonna involve you more in pick and rolls as the as the ball handler, or is that something that just happened organically as we kind of executed, and all of a sudden now we're running it fourteen, fifteen times a game? All right, uh, it was a little bit of both. It was a little bit of you know me and Stan talking, and then it was uh, like you said a little organic. Uh, you know, we talked about it before the season. He said, yeah, like he would like to get me in these actions. And I said, all right, uh, yeah, I'm ready. Whenever my name's called, I'm going to be ready to do that. Uh, but, you know, he told me, like, it may take some time before we get fully into it because, you know, it's his first year with us. He needs to learn, learn and see everybody's tendencies and what they like to do on the court. But... I didn't know that number was that high, 15. Yeah. You know, I think – I don't want to speak for Coach on this one, but I want to – I don't even think initially it was going to be that much. I think it might have been like – it would have been like eight or nine, but I think what, what got it that high was I think me and you – me and your two-man game. Because, uh, you know, man, it's – I love I love our two-man game. It's It's like one of the – easiest things to be a part of because yeah. like, if your defender goes under like i all i literally have to do is kind of like toss the ball and like just stand there and you get open shot or if your man wants to overplay it just fake handoff and go or i get it set the screen and my defender steps up and just leaves me for like a wide open like layup or dunk and i think when he saw that uh I think that definitely added into it, like it being 15 now. But it only took it only took about 50 games for us to actually have that. I was telling Alvin Gentry all last season, put me in two man with Zion. I think what's we're seeing this more uh, where the the guard right screens for the big. I used to do it with Joel. Obviously, I did it with Ben as well. So when you have a, a bigger player that can handle the ball and make plays out of, out of those those actions, then putting a shooter, and I'll use an, another example, Kevin Durant handling Joe Harris going to set a screen, right? Those are good actions for Brooklyn. 
Um, we, I, I, I will name the team. I wasn't going to name the team, but I'll name the team. So in against Memphis earlier this season, we ran this action 11 times where I screened for you. They could not stop it. They had to call multiple timeouts. We scored 27 points those 11 possessions when we ran that play. I want to tell you my perspective, and then I want to hear your perspective. So we're running this action either as a traditional high pick and roll, except it's inverted, right? So you're the four man, you're handling, I'm the two man, I'm coming up from the rim and setting the screen. That's one way we run it. The other way we run it as sort of a step up on the side. Typically, this is after free throws, right? It's a step up screen. So I'm coming again from underneath the basket. So as I'm coming up, first of all, I'm trying to listen. I'm trying to listen. I don't want to give away all my secrets, but I'm trying to listen. Sometimes the opposition will tell you what they're going to do, will tell you the coverage, so you're listening. And then the other thing I'm, I'm reading is your man's body position. And what's crazy to me is how good you are going right. And so so many teams force you right, which allows me to sort of flip the screen at the last minute and step up and get you downhill to your right hand on an open side, especially on that step play. The problem is if you send you the other way, you're going to your dominant hand where you're a better finisher and a better passer. So I'm not really – and then if you switch, obviously, like we've had that in the last couple games where teams will just switch it and you'll throw it back to me. If I don't have shot, I'll just post you against – you know, I'm getting guarded typically by a 6'2", 6'3", 2 guard. And yeah. that's a mismatch. And that, again, if they double – so we have all these options out of it. But as you're bringing the ball up, what are you reading? So I'm bringing the ball up the court around, like, timeline area. I can see what the defense is going to already kind of be, whether they're going to be loaded all the way onto the right, like my right side of the court, or whether they're playing man and they want to be ready for me to kick it out. So when it comes to my defender, I'm not, I'm usually sometimes, sometimes I'm not even reading my defender. I'm reading your man. Cause there are times when your man is so focused on what you're going to do with the screen that, it's like you it's like you told me, I can just do a simple handoff and go out them for a three. But the thing that cracks me up is it's like you said, they'll like push me right almost every time. And then I'll go right. And most of the time I'm expecting the bigs to come over. They either rotate too late and I got the layup or turn around got you right back at the top or got Josh or Kyra Zoe, whoever's in the game. And I got to talk about the Memphis game. That one was <laughs> – the one that was – it was funny with that one because, uh, it's like you said, when you hear them talking, there was one play. And this was the play where I went running back uh, laughing on the sideline. They said, push the middle, push the middle. And I kid you not, this dude opened up. It did not push me middle at all. He gave you the right side of the court. <laughs> so there was no help for him. And I, when I went and laid it in, I went laughing like, wow, like it's been like this all game. Uh, so yeah, that game was that game was funny when it came to their coverages with that. We had a game, we had a game right after that, and I don't remember who it was against, 
but after a couple free throws, when they got when the other team got the call, they just immediately went zone. Because they didn't, I I don't remember which game. I think it might have been Portland, but there was there was like it was like forty, you know, forty our forty two step, forty two step, and they're like zone. As soon as as soon as we inbounded the ball, I mean that's Portland. that that shows you that shows you the level of respect that you're getting on that play. The other action right is the two man on the side, and this is typically what I ran with Joel. So it's it's you going to your left hand on a clear side and. A, the only person over there is is me, and I'm in the left corner. So I get to come off the, a DHO to my dominant hand, my right hand, where I'm better turning to my left shoulder. That's no secret. The whole league knows it. Um, but it also allows you sort of the opportunity to, to, to drive. Like your first look on that is always to sort of attack. And again, this is the part to me, and I said this on a previous podcast, when we clear that side – well, there's a couple of different ways we get to that action, but whenever we get to that action, some teams will sit on your left hand and you just blow past them going. I said, uh, Tommy, remember when I said the in and out, Z's in and out cross is the ultimate counter move. The right hand in and out cross. Yeah. Who are, we, who are we talking to about this? We're talking with Steven Adams. Yeah. Yes. So when did you, when did you develop that move? Because I feel like I saw you make that move a couple times at Duke. I want to say you dunked on a kid from UVA on that move. But clearly that move has been in your package for a while. Yeah, uh, I've had that move since like middle school. Because uh, when I make the move, you know, my thing is to get as low as possible. And, you know, in middle school it was like, uh, I wouldn't use it a lot. But when I got to high school and I got like stronger – that's when I realized the full potential behind it. You know, you, a defender can see it coming, but once I get, like, my shoulder low, it's kind of – I guess it's kind of tough for them to adjust their body and try to get a blocked shot. Sometimes, you know, on a rare occasion, they may get to it, but, uh, yeah, when I, when I see they're giving me my right hand or they're trying to – yeah, they're giving me a right hand. I'll just give it in and out just to kind of get them to take that slight step. And my shoulder's there. And once my shoulder's there, now it's just how I'm going to finish. Uh, now, you talked about it on one of your podcasts uh, with how I would just jump up in the air and <laughs> uh, make a decision in the air. And uh, sometimes, yeah, sometimes I actually kind of do that because I'm like, I just read the big man on whether he's going to jump and I'll drop it off to Steven or kick it out. Or if it's just a to Cali, and I'll just finish around him. So, yeah, I've had that move in my bag since middle school, but as I got stronger, uh, that's when I saw the full potential of it. What point, what point in high school did you really feel like you kind of got your handle? Because you were playing – were you playing like the one when you were like a freshman or something like that? Sophomore, junior-ish, because, uh, you know, I went to private school, so – Automatically the tallest one on the team. Uh, so I I didn't always want to have the ball in my hands. I wanted my teammates to do their thing. So that's when I started kind of playing like three, four, and sometimes five. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to say that I was sophomore, junior years. While we're on the topic of high school, Tommy, I assume you've seen the viral video we had um, to ask if we had to bring this up. Oh, we have to bring this up because 
I want to know where that kid is. Do you know that kid? The viral video is basically a five, five, scrawny white dude, sweet haircut, checks into the game <laughs> to check you. And he comes over to you. He's clapping. He, he bodies up to you. You give him this look like, why is this dude checking me? And then he fouls you. And the video's gone everywhere. And and honestly, I feel like every few months it was go it was everywhere last night during your yeah, game. Yeah, somebody else replayed. It keeps do you know up. do you know who that kid is? Where is that kid now? I want to know. He's probably a sophomore in college. Where does he go to school? What is he doing? Does he cringe every time he sees this video? <laughs> Man, uh his name is Bryson Bishop, if I'm getting that right. And he's either a senior in high school, like about to graduate in a few months. Or he's a, a freshman, and man, I'll never, I'll never forget that. That was our rival, and it's like third, late third, or either fourth quarter. We're up at, we're up thirty at this point. So we come out of a timeout, and he starts walking over to me. I'm like, no way, you're not about to do this. And when he comes over and he starts, <laughs> uh, I kid you not, I look to the, if you saw me, I look to the right, my principal and our, uh, like, I think he was our track and field coach. I looked at those two and I was like, are, are they serious? And then, uh, you know, he found me, but what people don't know is I got a lot of respect for him for doing that. Cause you know, the team, his teammates were so out of it that he was just trying to give them energy. And, you know, for him to be the one to come over there and do that, I got nothing but respect for him for doing that. But, yeah, when it was happening in the moment, I was like, no way. I Don't disrespect me like that. <laughs> but I got a lot of respect for him for that. I, I, I respect it, too. I respect the the courage required to, <laughs> to, to guard Zion Williamson in high school. I respect the courage. I There was a did you did you remember by any chance? I don't know if you were a Duke fan. We we played Texas at Meadowlands. They were number two. We were number one. I had like forty one. We beat them pretty handily. But towards the end of the game, it was a it was a dead ball. It was like underneath our basket. And this walk on from Texas. I don't know why he was in the game, but he comes in the game and he guards me. And I'm like, I've, at this point, I've got like thirty five, and I'm like, what is happening right now? They put the walk on in. So I, I came off a screen, shot fake. He flew by, took one dribble, hit a three. As I'm running down, as I'm running down their bench, I started talking shit to Rick Barnes. Like, don't put him in the game. He can't guard me. Why are you putting walk on in the game? I mean, we were all assholes at one point. See, we were all assholes at one point. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. 
there's one thing that my life as a professional athlete has taught me. It's the importance of a good night's sleep, and my sleep has improved big time ever since we started using a Helix mattress. Everybody is unique and sleeps differently, which is why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from. We selected a Helix model with a more responsive foam that cradles the body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions, which is great for anyone struggling with back pain. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. And right now, Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash JJ and use code HELIXPARTNER20. That's HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Again, that's Helix, H-E-L-I-X, sleep.com slash JJ. Use code HELIXPARTNER20. Z, I saw you after the game last night. You traded jerseys with um, with Giannis. Who are some of the people you've enjoyed playing against so far? Because I mean, your career is—we obviously, you know, the last time you were on, you hadn't played against anybody in a in a real game. So, what's been sort of fun in terms of your competition? There's a few players. I'll start with Carmelo because I loved watching Carmelo growing up. I love watching him play. What I respected most about Melo was, I wanted to see in person how he created his space. Because, you know, it's always one thing to see it on tape, but when you're actually playing against, you get to see, like, their footwork and how he utilizes his body. And, man, it's uh, and it's dope. Like, it was incredible. Because if you saw the clip where I think he jabbed, because, I, like, I'll never forget that Jeff, our defensive coach last year, Jeff was like, if he goes to drive, like, kind of let him drive. Like, all right, I got you. So he, like, jabs me. I turn. I'm like, oh, no, he didn't go. I turn back fast, and he pump fakes me. I kind of raise, and he either jabbed me again and then shot the shot, and I was like, man, like, that was a tough move. Like, man, I need to, like, try to add that to my bag. Uh, so Melo was one. Dame, even though I didn't guard him, just watching how Dame does that thing where he just catches heat, incredible. Uh, throw LeBron in there uh, and Anthony Davis. Against us, I'm going to say this year, De'Aaron Fox. Both yeah, games. Both, both games. Played, uh, the Kings, he played incredible. So I give, I give respect when it's due. I remember that mellow move. That was – if I correct me if I'm wrong, that was in Portland, on the right side of the floor from about 17 feet. Yeah, and there was like three of them in that first half because I was on the bench and I had that angle, that perfect angle when he was going to his package, going to his moves, and he would shoot the ball. I'd be like, "Damn, that's in." But this is and and correct me if I'm wrong here, and and I'm sure you're finding this out, and people are finding this out about you. But there's levels to greatness and there's just not a lot you can do against the great players there's a lot of times they're either you can take away some of their strengths but a lot of times they're either going to make the shot or they're going to miss the shot yeah uh i think the first time that you know i think as players we all kind of think it 
But I think the first time it really hit me regarding that was when we were playing the Clippers and we we're in the huddle and you were like, all right, like with Kawhi and PG, when they were hitting tough shots, you said, all right, that's greatness. Like they're going to hit some tough shots. Like that's, that's just, is what it is. Like, but we can't like let everybody else <clears throat> start doing that or we're just giving them shots because of what those two are doing. And it was like when we played Portland the other night. You know, Dame came out, and it's not like Lonzo was playing bad defense. He was right there. He just he just hit some tough shots. Um, but when you're in those moments, it's like, man, you feel, you feel like as a player, something in you is like, man, I feel like I'm playing terrible defense. But, but you're not. Like, that's just the level of greatness that he's going to hit those. We just – you have to try your best to slow it down as much as possible. You've made, you've made, we were talking earlier, you've made improvements already in a short amount of time in basically a, a year with some stops and starts of playing NBA basketball, 55 games. Um, how often do you think about where you need to improve and what, what are those sort of things that you feel like personally you need to improve on? Um, Think about think about it a lot on stuff I can improve on because <clears throat> I always want to try to keep the defense guessing and try to give them new looks. And I think something that I can improve on is taking the shot. Uh, I've shown the ability to hit the shot, but there are times where something in me is just like, I know I can shoot it, but I'll just try to drive because I feel like maybe I could create a better shot because, you know, I don't like, for me, I don't ever want to feel like I wasted a possession for my team. It's, so if it's like me taking a three when maybe I could have found a better shot, like in my mind, I'm like, man, I just wasted a possession for the team. And I don't ever like feeling like that. So I definitely need to improve on taking the shot. And, you know, this year, like everybody's always giving me confidence, whether it's Melly, uh, Corey Brewer, um, teaspoon, Cinderius, uh, you know, they're always, and even Zoe Brandy, like they're saying, yo, if you're open, like we trust you to shoot it. And those little things always help a lot. I think we have mentioned Fred Vinson on like three podcasts already. Um, and I know you started working with him, not, not right at the beginning of the year, but I know at some point this season you started working with him. Again, I, I, I love the numbers. Five games in December. You were 55% from the free throw line. In January, when you started working with him, you shot 71% from the free throw line. Now in February, you're shooting 76% from the free throw line. And in February, you're shooting 36% from three. I watch you guys down there, you know, at, at your basket after practice, working on your stuff. What are, the, what are the specific things that he tells you that you need to work on with your shooting? Number one is uh, <clears throat> consistency trying to do the same thing over and over. Like there are times when he'll tell me to watch you shoot or watch Lonzo shoot. Or I remember last year we had Darius Miller, like watch him shoot. And especially with like with all shooters, especially great shooters, y'all always do the same thing every time. Like it's never like a, oh, you hooked it left or you hooked it right. It's either short or long. So the thing me and him, the thing we focus on is 
repeating the same thing every time. Because sometimes, like, I'll load, you know, I'll do everything perfect. But then there are other times where I won't load and I'll try to use straight arm strength and that will cause me to hook it left or hook it right because I'm only relying on my arms and not my legs. So the main thing for us is always doing the same thing over and over. I told Fred the other day, Tommy, that after after we mentioned him the other day, I'm like, Fred, we're going to try to get you paid. We're going to try to get you paid. He's gotten we're as gonna- many name drops probably <laughs> as anybody on the, uh, we've had on the show. He I can't really think of has. anyone who's gotten more. He really has. See, I wanted to ask you about your first, about your debut last year where you had the 17 in a row. Um, speaking of getting hot, you know, I was watching the the highlights earlier today. What kind of what happened? Because you just turned you you turned it on to a point. You know, it's not it doesn't seem surprising looking at you know how you've played this year. But at that point, anyone's first game, you never know what's going to happen. And to roll to to hit seventeen in a row against a team like the Spurs is pretty crazy. Man, uh, my mindset during that seventeen point stretch was: well, going into the game, you know, everybody was making it hype and. Saying, all right, Z, it's your first game, you know, blah, blah, blah. So my mindset was, all right, I'm going to go in, I'm going to kind of try to figure it out and kind of go with the flow of the game. I don't want to force anything because it's my first game. Like, I'm going to just try to figure out the flow, find my teammates, and go from there. And those first three quarters flew by because I was like in four four minute stretches. So, I'm playing, and next thing you know, it's the fourth quarter. I'm like, oh, man. And I look up at the score, and we're down. And I remember, like, Gentry kind of said, all right, like, you got a couple, like, three, three or four more minutes, and then we're pulling you. So I'm like, man, I'm at least trying to make a game of this. So uh, I hit the first one. All right. Then I think I caught a live, turnaround live from Lonzo. Then I hit the second one. Then the third one, and I think I got like a little, I think my shot got blocked, but I rebounded and got it back. And at that point, the crowd's like, this is like my first time in the NBA feeling that invincibility moment. Like the whole crowd is like standing, they're hype, it gets loud every five seconds. You know, something in you is like, I can turn around and throw a backward shot. And I feel like it's going to go in. <laughs> uh, so I remember when I caught the last one and I jab step and then I shot it like, I'm thinking, yeah, it's, that's cash. Like, I'm not missing that. And uh, yeah, man, just during that moment was like, wow, like, I really did that. Like, after the game, I'm sitting like, I really like, I did that. My first game, like, I got to feel that thrill, that invincibility moment. So, uh, man, I, that, was a, that was definitely an exciting moment. Start off. I was I was on the bench during that time, and as your teammate, it it was an out of body experience for me as a fan. Like it was, it was wild, and I we we all just kept looking at each other because you I mean you hadn't practiced a ton, and when you did practice, you were even limited in what you could do in practice. So none of us had ever really seen you shoot threes, and we were like, we were like. Is this really happening? It was it was crazy. Um, Z, I want to I want to ask you this, and 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 you know, I'm sure you're aware 
of criticism. And one of the criticisms is about your body. And so there's, whether it's former players, whatever, pundits, critics, whoever, uh, feel like you need to be in better shape. And I had this really interesting conversation with Charles Barkley uh, this past offseason where he talked about early in his career wanting to, to, to lose some weight and he lost too much weight and then he had to put weight back on. And so I, you know, I feel like every player, and for me, I had to gain 10 pounds when I first got to the NBA because I, was I wasn't strong enough. So I feel like every player early in their career, they're sort of figuring that out. Do you feel like whether it's weight or you know conditioning level, like whatever it may be, do you feel like there's another gear for you with regards to that? Yeah, I do think there's a, another gear that I can reach regarding like weight and conditioning. Uh, but I think it's like you said, it's finding it. Because, you know, I don't want to get to a spot where I'm like, all right, I lost a lot of weight, but now I, fit, I don't feel as strong. Like I can't do certain things that I would do before. Uh, so I think it's just finding it, but I do feel like there is another guy I can reach regarding both weight and condition. Yeah, I mean the, the the shoulder thing that you brought up earlier is interesting. I said this I, I say this all the time. You probably don't hear me when I yell at other players, but uh, I I was doing it last night, and when you essentially get an angle and your your center of gravity is so low when you drive relative to let's say a Brook Lopez. Um, or or most fives that that guard you, um, and you sort of get that angle. Your shoulders are so wide that they can't get. Like Brook Lopez is really has like a lot of length. He blocks a lot of shots. He can't get to the ball, and so I I I you know to to, to the original question, and I, and I I know you will find it, but I feel like. There's this, there's this perfect equilibrium of like, all right, I feel like I have the strength and the power that I need, but at the same time, I can run forever or whatever. You know what, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, and, and, and it doesn't, it, like it doesn't happen in a year. It doesn't happen in 55 games. You're still figuring it out night to night. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, like the game against Boston, I felt fine. I, Played the whole fourth quarter. I didn't feel fatigued in any way. But then there's a game like, I want to say, when we went to Chicago and then we went to Detroit. You know, those first four, to that first spurt, it's just like, like, look at it bled. Like, man, like, is it, am I tired because it's cold in here? Like, because, you know, a lot of gyms we go to, it's cold. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I think they're doing this on purpose. But, uh, yeah, there are those games. There are a few games where the first – my first spurt is, like, kind of tough. And I'm like, man, like, I wonder why it feels like this. But then as the game goes on, I just get better with conditioning. But I think I will come to a point or find that point between, like you said, just weight and conditioning where I won't be affected by anything. Most weight loss plans are one size fits all, not taking into account each person's individual needs. Noom takes into account dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs to build a plan that works for you. Everyone's journey is different, so your daily lessons are personalized to you and your goals. 
Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your free trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I have a question for both of you guys. If you want to follow up, JJ, this is about the arenas. I was reading today that some people think the arenas where there are fans in the arenas, the, the teams have an advantage. There's a little bit of like a home court advantage because some teams get fans and others don't. Does it make any difference? Do you feel like do you feel like the game is different when you're playing in an arena with fans, or does it not really matter? Uh, me personally, uh, I think it depends on the player. I think it depends on the player's mental individually. Uh, I feel like me, uh, as long as I have my teammates there, because, you know, we're we're all basketball players. We're going to get – we know what to get hype about. We know, like, oh, like, shoot his face off. Like, don't uh, – like, he can't hold you. Like, like, lock him up. Like, we know how to get each other hype with, like, basketball stuff. Uh, when there's fans, you know, they get hype. And sometimes – a lot of times it does help, but – I think on, for me, I think it really depends on the individual's mental that will, that will, helps with fans or not. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if there's, if there's, you know, like a real correlation between winning and, and losing based on having 2,500 fans in the stands versus 20,000 or, or zero, you know, I, I will say though, and this is a shout out. Like we've played in a lot of arenas, some with no fans, like Miami, no, not a single fan in the stands. Not the uh, some with a lot of fans, like Tampa. Tampa, t- Tampa turned out for us. I will say this: we've had fans in our stands. I think we started out with like seven fifty. We've increased from there. Our fans have been amazing. Yeah. Although I didn't get to play much during that twenty four comeback, twenty four point comeback against Boston. <laughs> I was back in the locker room and the and there was a delay on the feed. I was I was saying this the other day. There's a delay on the feed. And so like I could hear our fans screaming every time we scored. When Melly hit that three, yeah. it was so loud in that arena. Like it felt like that's 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 the feeling we crave. The feeling you were talking about uh in, in that San Antonio game from last year. Like that's the feeling we crave. And that's what's really to me missing about this season. Yeah. I want to. I just want to make an observation. You know, I talked to you last year. I, I watched you last year. I don't think any of us really appreciated how how hard going through that injury was for you. And and in my observation, it seems like you're more engaged. You're having more fun. Like wins and losses aside, it just feels like day to day, your existence is more joyful. And those first few months of the season last year, and to an extent in the bubble, because I know you were dealing with some stuff with family and whatnot, but it just seems like this season 
has been way more fun for you? Yeah. Uh, and the reason for that is because in my first year, you know, I'm around a new group of guys, a new group of coaching staff, just new group of everything, rookie year. And then I go down with an injury. And at first, you know, I wasn't traveling with the team. I was just always rehabbing. Man, any player knows that the rehab process is terrible. Like you're the first one in, last one out, like while watching practices, like your days are so long. Um, you know, you honestly you never feel like you get any sleep, if I'm being honest. But the tough part when I came back was trying to, man, trying to like fit in and play catch up. Cause I had watched y'all grow so much together. Like, cause you know, starting off the season, not too well. Like it was, went through a tough stint. But then, you know, coach would come in the locker room like, we're gonna figure it out. And this is my first year, I'm not gonna lie, this is my first year here. He's saying this and in my mind at first, I'm like, okay, okay. I, I don't know about that coach, right? <laughs> it, it looks pretty bad. But, uh, man, uh, y'all did it. Y'all figured it out. Like, not, you, like, from the sideline, I just saw the fans. As y'all started figuring it out, the fans got more and more, like, involved. In, in that Utah game where B.I. hit that tough, like, go-ahead bucket, that was, like, a big moment for everybody on the team. And I just watched y'all come together. So then, all right. Now I'm added into the equation and I didn't want to get in the way of that. Like, so my mindset was, all right, don't mess up. Don't mess up. In the game, like, don't mess up. Just don't overdo it. Just try to figure it out. And this, <clears throat> I'm going through all that while playing my first couple NBA games. I'm playing against pros. Like, this is my first time going against them. Uh, not a, wasn't a hundred percent. So, it was always, I got to be focused. I got to be, like, locked in. Like, don't mess up. Don't mess up. So that the fun part of it wasn't there. I couldn't even enjoy certain moments. Uh, it would just be, all right, like, on to the next. This game, like, don't mess up with this. Like, don't be the reason, like, the team loses because of this. Like, just try to do whatever you can to help, help them win. So now, my second year, I'm there from the start. I get to grow, I get to grow with y'all. And, you know, it's fun. Like it's, I have fun with, like, I'm, I feel like I'm back in college again. Like I'm just get to have fun with it. And when I'm having fun on a day-to-day -day basis, like, yeah, the days are different, obviously due to COVID, but uh, it does feel like things go by fast because I am having fun. I'm around my teammates a lot more because at first, I wasn't around you guys a lot, like, because I feel like every time I left my room, I was having a two-hour conversation with whoever, like, about my injury, like, how's it been since leaving college? Like, I feel like it was the same conversation over and over that I locked myself in my room, like, all right, I'll see y'all walk through, see y'all at the game, and yeah, if I see you, I see you. But this year, like, I feel more involved, like, I get to be around my teammates a lot more, so. Yeah, that's been the difference. It's one of the hardest parts about being injured 
and not necessarily you know where you're out a game or two, but a real injury. The rehab process, as you spoke to, is is incredibly difficult, incredibly arduous. The harder part to me is feeling like you're not part of the team. Exactly. You know, I've had I've had two injuries in my career where I've been away from the team for. I want one was 17 games, and then another one was a few weeks, um, and then a back injury where I missed a ton of time my first year with the Clippers. I only played 35 games that year, and you watch your team get better throughout the season, and you feel lonely all the time, and you feel like you did something wrong, <laughs> and you feel like when you get back, you're like, I hope I don't fuck this up. It's another reason, by the way, that I think sometimes it's hard when you get traded because you're coming into someone else's house you're coming into someone else's domain someone else's locker someone else's shooting time someone else's treatment time all of that yeah it's hard man it's hard i have a very random question for you z and i i suspect i know the answer but i want to make sure are you following any of the stuff the trading card stuff or the top shot stuff or anything like that that involves you uh, you know, I I get mentioned in it on a, a lot on Twitter, but it's just one of those things like, oh, that's cool. And <laughs> on to the next, but I don't like take a lot of time on it. Yeah. Your mo your moment when you blocked Malik Beasley last year, what did it sell for, Tommy? A hundred? Thousand? The moments the, the moments sold for that and the trading cards are like, who knows? Something very high. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's great, but it's it's hard. I mean, you got enough to worry about without getting into that stuff. My last question for Z. See, you know, uh, people don't know a lot about Zion Williamson off the court. And I didn't know this until today. But apparently, according to your high school teacher, you are a hell of a poet. And he described your poetry as remarkable. As a as a fellow poet myself, <laughs> two Duke poets on the show right two now. Two Duke poets. <laughs> I love this. Now let me ask you a question: Was this strictly for the class, or do you actually write poetry in your spare time? Uh, you know, it started in high school. Like I, I was in a man. It was a creative writing class. Uh, I just needed another class my senior year, so that was an available class for the time slot. And I was going through, like, the college process of trying to figure out where I want to go. And I remember I'd go in this class, and I'd kind of write just to get the passing grade. And this teacher was such a – Mr. Pell, he was such a great guy, like, really knew his stuff about sports, just a kind guy through and through. One day he came to me, and he was like, all right, Z, like, I want you to – actually try like don't just get don't get the grade like dude for me like i want you to talk about something real about you you know at first i was like yeah yeah, yeah. he's like z right, i want you to try all right i got you so in class and at first i couldn't come up with anything so i'm like i don't have anything mr fell thinking he's just kind of gonna let me off the hook all right, try good try. Bring something in tomorrow morning. <laughs> so I'm like, man. So I go home and you know I just got off the phone with a college coach, and I was thinking, man, this is 
this is stressful. I don't, I don't know where I'm gonna go. And then I said, I can write about that. So then in my poem, I was, I wrote about two people. So one, like you got a guy that he, he flies, he, he can't do any wrong. Like wherever he goes, people love him. He just, he gets pictures. Like people just want to be around him. Like, wouldn't you want to be that guy? All right, now let's talk about like guy number two. He can't say no to a picture because he says no, that person's gonna feel, make him like feel bad or they're gonna feel bad like, cause they feel like they're never gonna be in that situation. Or if I tell one person, yeah, you have to tell the other person, yeah, as well. Cause you feel like you're picking favorites. You gotta be able to pick a school while letting other coaches know that you don't wanna go there. Uh, and I pretty much talked about all like the cons of, you know, being in the limelight at such a young age. And then at the end, I was like, now what if I told you that was the same guy? Like, well, how would you feel? And I remember I like, turned that in and he was like, that's a real poem. So then after that, I just, yeah, I'll be in my room sometimes and I'll just kind of type up a poem. Cause he made me feel like that was a way I can express myself like without always having to be out in the public. Yo, that's actually really deep, man. That was really <laughs> deep. <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm impressed. That was awesome. <laughs> we got fucking Finding Forrester over here. <laughs> All right, Z. Uh, appreciate the time, buddy. I will see you bright and early tomorrow morning for some COVID testing. What's up? Thanks, All right, bro. thank Great you, man. to see you. Thanks y'all. If you like The Old Man of the Three, you can listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series. From shows like Kid Nation, CBS's weird Lord of the Fly, style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town to The Swan, a horrifying concept where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant. Hi, I'm Misha Brown, and I'm the host of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop. Each episode, comedians join me to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently on The Big Flop, we looked at the reality TV show, The Swan. The problem, this dream opportunity quickly became a viewing nightmare. They were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts.